Zombies, and welcome to another episode of the Resurrection of Zombie 7 podcast. This is episode number 313, your quarantine episode for March of 2020. For you to listen to while you and all your friends and family are under quarantine. This month, we're going to be covering remakes of classic Universal Monster movies. That's our theme for the week. Speaking of people who are quarantined at this very moment, <laughs> let me introduce you my guest hosts, Little Miss Horner, Jessica Feeney. Under, under quarantine, the thing is, she doesn't even know she's under quarantine because it's really changed nothing in her life. I mean, everybody's. You've been under quarantine. You've been under quarantine for 26 years now. I have. That's why you've been living in an apartment, sitting there all day. <laughs> Well, I mean, it doesn't change my lifestyle. I, I, I have to do this. Exactly. At least you have a cat. <laughs> yeah. You've been practicing for this moment your entire life. Well, I don't know that I was always a homebody, but I am since I've been older. <laughs> older, I guess. I guess. So today we're going to be looking at a couple of movies that are remakes of classic universal horror films. And I know... On this podcast in particular, if you're a long-time listener, you know, we don't usually do remakes. We're not, I'm not really fond of remakes myself. Jessica, she loves them. She bathes in them when they come out. She literally takes the physical <laughs> copy of the DVDs and or Blu-rays and bathes with them, which which is why they come with the digital copy, guys. So Jessica <laughs> can bathe with the Blu-ray. Everything's fine. She still has a digital copy. We're good. But I've always said that when I go to town on remakes and talk talk to you about how bad they are and how they're worthless and how their movies don't matter. I've always said that there are exceptions, and one of the examples I always give as an exception is the Universal Monsters. I think every new generation can have a new Dracula film, can have a new Frankenstein film, can have a new Mummy film, and that's fine. Honestly, they might get a little bit better with some special effects. We have better special effects today in 2020 than they had back in the 1930s. I know it's hard to believe. But that seems to be the case. We can do a lot of things with these little things I like to call computers now that they didn't have back in the 1930s and 40s. And it doesn't hurt the originals at all. The story's always a little bit different. So remakes of the Universal monster movies, those are fine by my book. Every generation probably has one, just like Alice in Wonderland. Uh, any of those sort of fairy tale type movies can be remade over and over again. It doesn't really matter. So they're not really... On my list of shitty-ass remakes. Uh, there have been plenty of remakes of these classic Universal monster movies over the years. There's probably at least 15 different Dracula films. And that's not even counting the, like, parodies and, you know, Dracula, the Dracula meets Frankenstein hammer films. Or just Dracula in a movie, like Monster Squad type of stuff. Sure. That's the movies that are called Dracula. There's <laughs> probably at least 15 of those. And we know for some reason... Uh, the Universal Studios loves to remake this fucking Mummy franchise. They mm, love yeah. it. Like, literally, the people who work at Universal, the higher-ups at Universal, they start, they jack off to the Mummy. <laughs> Thinking about all the money the money they're going to make on the Mummy. Yeah, there were a bunch of them. Which, you know, the Brendan Fraser one, the first one was okay. I didn't see the rest of them. They seemed kind of stupid to me. Uh, there's... Mm. There's a ride based on the Mummy movie at Universal Studios in Orlando, which is pretty fun. So I guess there's that, you know? Okay. 
Uh, but today, the two films we're going to be looking at are for our newer film of the podcast. We're going to look at the 2020, 2020, that's this year, kids. And we're only two and a half months in. This is how much I am ingesting new horror. <laughs> I had to go to a movie theater with Jessica. <laughs> oh, the horror. To watch this movie. Not only did I have to go to a movie theater with Jessica, but everyone knows she's quarantined. So we were the only two in the movie theater. We were not. It's just not that it was empty because of me, dumbass. Everyone knows that you're there. Everyone knows you got the coronavirus. Oh, stop They didn't want to be exposed. Oh, whatever. How many people (laughs) were in the theater? No one, just us, which was great. Exactly. You think that's coincidence? I called ahead. I called ahead. I doubt you did. I was like, is there anyone there? Jessica was being very rude, talking in her normal tone of voice. Getting on her phone. Oh my god! Sitting on the sit, sitting on the too. back of the seat instead of uh, pushing the seat down. No one behind her could see. There was no one behind <laughs> me. <laughs> I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> She's on her phone texting the whole time. Oh god, that's you every day, all day. <laughs> You'd be like texting someone in the middle of sex, probably. Jesus. I'm not saying I've never done that. I bet you have. I text Still, people. You didn't do it to me. I didn't knock the fucking phone out of your hands. I think that if I uh, if I was having sex, people need to know. Oh, I see. That I'm having sex. <laughs> Great. Well, next time I'm banging a chick, I will. Uh, I'm gonna text you and let you know. Uh, please don't do that. I don't need to know that. <laughs> I text you in some of my most intimate moments. That's true. Uh, the picture that you sent me that I really liked of you, I had, because I'm an idiot, I didn't <laughs> even notice that you took it in your fucking bathroom, which means you were on the toilet. I mean, doesn't mean I was doing anything on the toilet. You're probably pooping. People have to poop, Jessica. Haven't you ever seen the book Everybody Poops? Yeah, but they don't have to take pictures of themselves pooping. No, clear your it. throat. Clear your throat here. This is disgusting. Sorry. <laughs> can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. What's going on there, scratchy voice? You got the coronavirus. I told you. I might. Don't be such a dick about it. Damn, if you got coronavirus, that means I got a quarantine. I don't know. Because I was in a movie theater. It. I'm by myself with you. Well, I told you ahead of time you were, what was going on with me. You were touching me inappropriately. Me. Bad touch. <laughs> I did not touch Bad you touch. inappropriately. You kept trying to get what? stick your hand in my popcorn. That's some shit you would do to me. I've never touched you inappropriately. I don't know if I agree with that. Nor statement. would I put my hand in your popcorn. I see how you drool on that shit. Oh my god, you have done that to me more times than I can count. I'll have I've drooled in your I'll popcorn. Eat. No, I'll have something to eat, like fries or something like that. And you'll totally just stick your hand in there and grab a fry. I don't know that you're probably, like, touching your balls with that No, well, well, you know. Sometimes you just need a fry, man. Listen, I have not touched my balls with my hand since this coronavirus deal happened. I don't want to get my balls coronavirus. Oh, my God. I totally don't believe that at all. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> the movie we're talking about, the modern day... Remake of Universal Horror Classic is, of course, 
the February 2020 release, The Invisible Man. There's a man who's invisible, just like the rest of the theater that we went and saw this in. So I don't know how it's made over $100 million, but okay. If you tell me, you say so. That's uh, what I hear. And the older movie that we're going to get into today is the 1992 film Bram Stoker's Dracula. Just in case you didn't know who wrote Dracula. Bram Stoker's yeah. Dracula. I did know this. But today, the beginning, we're going to talk about this little guy I like to call the Invisible Man. Mm-hmm. You know why I call him that? Why? Because he's invisible. Oh, there was going to be some trick question. Now, the Invisible Man, originally, supposed to be Johnny Depp. Oh, I didn't know that. Interesting. So when... Universal Studios was going to re- reboot all of their monster franchises into this dark universe, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody wants to have a universe now because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That way they can make millions and billions of dollars off of these franchises that they own, these monster tramp franchises, which technically the Universal Monsters were kind of the first shared universe. Because we had... Yeah. Wolfman and Frankenstein's monster and Dracula and Man and Mummy, they were all in some of the same movies. Sure. And Abbott and Costello. Yeah, those were good ones. So Universal was going to reboot all of their monsters into this dark universe. The first movie that was supposed to come out in this dark universe was The Mummy because, I don't know, because they fucking love The Mummy. Mm-hmm. Like, you have Dracula... Frankenstein's monster, the Wolfman, even like Phantom of the Opera, the Bride of Frankenstein, Creature from the Black Lagoon. And you start with the goddamn mummy? <laughs> they always yeah, start we- with the fucking mummy, man. I don't know. We haven't had too many of those Creature from the Black Lagoon. Have there been any remakes of that? No, there's only been the three movies, I think. But that would, but that was on the schedule to become part of this dark universe. I mean, we we talked about this in horror news for a long time when we had sure. under the old format, right? Right. With the the makings of this dark universe, and you know, Tom Cruise was going to be involved with the Mummy. Johnny Depp was supposed to play the Invisible Man. Uh, Angelina Jolie was going to be the Bride of Frankenstein. They were trying yeah. to get these big names to play these characters, and you bring them all together, and you could. Rival the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know? Sure. But then something stupid happened where Universal said, you know what? This would work better if they were action films instead mm. of horror films because, you know, that makes sense because yeah, these that. are horror characters. Sure. So they went ahead with that stupid ass idea. I hope that <laughs> I hope that guy got fired. And they made this terrible, from what I understand, I didn't even watch it. Uh, terrible movie, uh, The Mummy with Tom Cruise, that everyone seemed to hate. Mm, I didn't watch that either. Yeah, I remember that though. I don't think anyone watched it because it made it lost a lot of money. Yeah. And then they were like, you know what? Maybe this isn't the trajectory we need, we need to be on. So let's sc- scratch this dark universe idea. Yeah. Along comes Blumhouse, and I believe that Universal told the people at Blumhouse. Hey, can you make our monster movies better than we can make them? Because apparently we suck. <laughs> that would be a good thing, because that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And I've never been super impressed with anything Blumhouse has done, but I've never been 
actively angry with them, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, they're not going to turn The Mummy into an action film. Right. Sure. We talked about this a little bit last month with the Happy Death Day thing. Um, the Bloomhouse, I am like what they do. I just... I like the fact that they're doing stuff. I just don't like what they do. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I did remember that conversation because I did listen to that episode. So Bloomhouse gets a hold of this uh, this franchise. I don't know if they have all of the monsters yet. Maybe they just have the Invisible Man. So far. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. I, I thought I saw a interview with Jason Bloom where he was just like, if I did Dracula, this is how I would do it. So that made me think maybe that that he didn't have rights to Dracula yet. Yeah, he's a smart guy. Maybe right? they just gave him Invisible Man and said, "Hey, do this, see what you can do with it." He's done well. It's made a lot of money, right? So. Yeah, he has like a his office is in a car. He just drives around all the time, and that's his office because he wants to save money and doesn't want to have to pay for office space. I'm like, damn. So he got Lee Winnell on board as director, and if you guys don't know him. Uh, he's the non Carrie Elwes guy from Saul, the movie Saul. Yeah. He was also the writer of Saul. So he's jumped around in a whole bunch of movies, probably most well known after Saul for, aside from Saul with the Insidious stuff. I think he was involved with that, right? He's been involved in quite a few things. Yeah, but I'm saying, other than Saul, like his most next famous thing probably is the Insidious stuff. Oh. Hmm. I want to say, in my eyes, his track record is mediocre. Because mm-hmm. I liked the first two saws, but I didn't like the rest of the saws, and he was involved with a lot of those saws. Yeah, he didn't get and, to be very good. And I've not yet seen those Insidious movies, although I did buy them on DVD, so I do have them. Coming to IHateStuff.net. At some point, <laughs> when I get done with the fucking Marvel Cinematic Universe, Jesus Christ, those movies are bad. I don't know why you're doing that to yourself. <sighs> you know, I'm a glutton for punishment. And then starring in this movie is Elizabeth Moss, who is a chick whom I know of, right? Mm, well. And then I realized I didn't know her from anything, so I never watched The West Wing, right? I never watched Mad Men. Right. I don't and watch she... uh, Handmaid's Tale. Right. That's but you know what I do know her saying. from? What? I realized I know her from the movie Us. Oh, okay. Yeah. She is fine in this movie as an actress for what mm-hmm. she's told to do. Yeah, she. I mean, I think she's a good actress. Sure. Uh, you know, based on this, I wouldn't like be like, oh my gosh, that Elizabeth Moss, she's in another movie and screw her. Right. Her character, completely different situation, which we'll get to when we, when we start oh, talking uh, about the movie. I didn't know anybody else in this movie either. Did you? No. Well, like, so the, her friend, the police officer. Yeah. He looked familiar to me and he's been in a ton of stuff, but I couldn't like pinpoint. Yeah, but they're all, they're all things I haven't never seen. Right. And then the daughter, I actually do know the daughter. She is in a show that I watch that you wouldn't have seen, but it's a Showtime show called Euphoria. Um, And the first season Storm Reed is her name. I knew her. She was like the only other person that I like knew from something besides Elizabeth Moss. Listeners of this podcast might know uh, Oliver Mansour, Jackson Cohen, who played Adrian in this film, mm-hmm. who was the actual Invisible Man. Right. I don't know how much he actually, I'm doing the finger quotes here, played because he was not visible <laughs> most of the time. Right. Uh, but he's in the Haunting of Hill House series on Netflix. So people might know oh, him. Oh, Okay. I guess there's a sequel to that he's also in called The Haunting of Bly Manor. 
Mm-hmm. I don't know what that well, is. And No. And then the brother actually looked familiar to me, too, but I couldn't place him either. So maybe I haven't seen him in anything, but... Yeah, he's a guy who's just been in a lot of stuff, too. Same thing. Okay. Uh, but that to the movie, finally, those are the actors you may know. We, you know the people who made the movie. If you're a regular horror fan, you know the people who made the movie. Um, so, but if you're a horror fan, you know who the people who made this movie. You know Lee Winnell, you know Jason Bloom, right? Yes. So even though you probably know a couple of the actors, if you're if you're more well versed in watching TV than I am, although with this quarantine, I plan on getting uh, caught up on a lot of TV I've missed. Yeah. Though I'm not quarantined, I don't have the coronavirus as of this. At least I don't think that I do. As of this recording, my job as a bartender not happening yeah. right now. Yeah. At the time of this recording, all of the bars in Bloomington, uh, Bloomington, all of the bars in Indiana, uh, have been temporarily shut down. So, yeah. I'll have time to watch Haunting of Hill House, you will. which has been on the list, and I'll have time to. Uh, get caught up on some of this stuff. Maybe catch some insidious films. Yeah, and I've given you tons of movies over the years. We've so. wa- you calm down. We've watched them. Calm down over there. I've watched some. Okay. I know. Okay, so the the plot of the Invisible Man, right? We open up on this giant oceanside mansion, which would be like a dream house for somebody like me. Mm-hmm. Me. I like the water. And it's going to be... That house is probably going to be a few million dollars. Mm-hmm. We're talking like maybe $10, $10 million, $12 million. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I can't Maybe afford even more like than that. that. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You can't afford a house that's $10. Well, I wouldn't say that, but <laughs> I don't want a house, so... It's a, it's a mansion that if you're quarantined, you're like, okay, no big deal. I'll hex stuck around here. Absolutely. Uh, aside from this being an incredible house, uh, this blonde chick named Cecilia gets out of bed, decides she's leaving this person whom you immediately decided was an evil person, even though we had no information about what was happening in the movie. Oh, that's like, what? It, must, it must be the man. I'm perceptive. Because you hate men. Um, that's completely false. Uh, she gets her stuff, turns off all the cameras, like, save, save for one to see him or whatever. Escapes over a wall. Lets the dog loose, which that was kind of a mistake. Because the dog hits the car, which makes yeah. alarm go off. And now the guy is alerted to what's happening. Uh, she sneaks out of the woods into her sister's car into relative safety. But he does catch up to her. Uh, this guy's name is Adrian Griffin, and he is an optics engineer, one of the top optics engineers in the world, if not the top. This is how, he, this is how he's made his millions and millions of dollars. Uh-huh. And we should mention, uh, let me take a break right here and say, listen, if you haven't seen Invisible Man 2020, <laughs> and it's possible that you haven't, it's only been in the theaters a few weeks. Spoiler alert, I'm not going to hold back on spoilers. And there's a few twists here and there, too, so... If you haven't seen it, you don't want to get spoiled. You may want to fast forward to the Dracula part of this podcast and come back to this later. And download twice. Mm-hmm. Um, there are no like bookmarks, so I can't just automatically send you to the next one. It goes one. I don't know how to do that. 
<laughs> uh, and two, I probably wouldn't do that. I'm kind of lazy sometimes. Got a lot going on. I don't have time to bookmark things. You know, I can't be quarantined forever. No. Uh, so Cecilia ends up hiding out with um, this guy named James. He's a black guy, cop, big, muscular, in shape, good looking guy, right? Mm-hmm. He has a daughter named Sydney. I never got the relationship between these two. Was this a friend of her sister's? Was this one of her friends? Yeah, I'm not sure either. I don't think honest. there was a romantic relationship there. No. And probably good for him, because she was quite a bit crazy. You think? And he can do a lot better. Uh, Cecilia, completely paranoid that this Adrian guy is going to completely find her, gets all crazy with her sister when her sister comes to the house and says, why did you come here? You know he's going to follow you. Blah, 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 blah. Her sister says, hey, chill out. Adrian's dead. Killed himself. I got uh, photos right here. It's in the it's in the news. <laughs> so Adrian is dead. Cecilia doesn't have to worry about it anymore, but she does happen to be a beneficiary of his will and testament. Uh, Adrian's brother, Tom, happens to be the estate executor, calls Cecilia to his office. Tom happens to be a lawyer, says, hey, uh, you were the you're a beneficiary of Adrian's and you're getting $100,000 a month until you get, was it $5 million, I think, he left her? Yeah, it was $5 million. Which, you know, that's quite a bit. I could be quarantined for a while on $5 million. <laughs> and be fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so Cecilia is no longer afraid to go out and get the mail. Um, she's doing some good things for the people she's staying with. She bought, she's giving... Um, Sydney, $120,000 to go to school, the school she wants to go to that's expensive, and she gives James a ladder. Yeah, that's actually a real school, Parsons School of Design. It's a really famous uh, design school in New York City, by the way. I know that's just random. Who cares knowledge? But The main point here, Jessica, is the fact that she gave a 16-year-old girl $120,000, and she gave the dude who's been housing and protecting her a ladder. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of weird that, you know. Cecilia's a little fucked up in the head. Yeah, but I mean, that was a nice thing because that was his daughter and he couldn't afford to send her to that school she wanted to go to, so. But Cecilia's been uh, abused by Adrian in many ways that aren't really explained. So we can assume physically, sexually, mentally, mentally for sure. Yeah. Because Adrian is a control freak. And controls her uh, every action and has has basically broken her down mentally. Yep. We know this because this bitch cries the entire fucking movie. <laughs> That's all she does. Is cry. I'm having midsummer flashbacks. I didn't see that movie, so I don't Wait, let me tell you what the movie is. It's a blonde that cries all the time. Does that bother you when women cry? Or is it just when they cry a lot? It's just when I'm watching a two-hour movie and an hour fifty of it is a woman crying. Okay. If I want to see a woman crying, I can look back at my own relationships in my life. <laughs> I don't have to relive them on the screen. Oh, lovely, Ron. <laughs> I kid, I kid, but it's a little much. Yeah, I mean, like, I agree that like, her like character I... was not... Was there any it point in this film where... Empathetic. Yes, was there any point in this film where she was not crying? The only part I can think of where she wasn't crying was when she gave that girl the $120,000. <laughs> Every other scene, I think she was crying. 
I think towards the end she changed and she wasn't as like well we'll get know. we'll get there towards the end but at that point it was too late <laughs> I'd already I'd already written her off as a character I just don't like yeah I mean, and, there's, and there's nothing wrong with a girl crying because she's been through a lot of stuff but like I told you in the theater this is the girl that always has high drama is crying all the time and is always uh looking looking to people for emotional support, this is the person that if she was in your life for real, you wouldn't answer her phone calls. You let them go to voicemail yeah. and act like you didn't hear them. Yeah, I know people like that for sure. And it, it does get annoying when someone's crying all the time and everything's bad in their life. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. So she's, she's not a character that I'd want to hang out with in real life. I don't really, I can't really get behind her as a hero of a two hour movie. And again, this movie is two hours and five minutes long. No one yeah. knows how to make an appropriately timed horror movie anymore. I know. I said that too going in there. I was like, or when I looked it up online, I was like two hours. I'm like, what happened to 90 minute movies? Yeah. There's no need for this movie to be two hours either. No. Now I I will say this. It doesn't, there's not like large parts of the movie that just drag and drag and drag. I can't point to one single part of the movie and go, you can take a half an hour of this right Right. out. Uh, But what I will say is you could easily take out a half an hour of you know, thirty seconds here, thirty seconds there. There's long. Right. There's 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 parts of the movie, and I know it's hard to do because it's in the Invisible Man, right? So you right. can't show everything all the time. But there are parts of the movie where the camera is literally on nothing for like two straight minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? You could have got your point across in a minute and a half. Sure. Some of the scenes run a little bit long, like that. And I'm guessing you could have locked at least fifteen minutes off pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, but to the credit, there's not any one thing I can point to and just be like, well, this was just awful. Just take this out and you'll have an extra half an hour. <laughs> well, you can take out a half an hour of Cecilia crying, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> and she'll still cry the whole movie, but it'll be a half an hour less. Um, so we learn as an audience that she's getting fucked with by an invisible person pretty early on in the, after this. Yeah. Uh, someone pulls the covers off of her and, and Sydney while they're sleeping, which, by the way, Cecilia seemed to have her own room in this house that had a couple couches in it. Why is she sleeping in the same bed with a 16-year-old girl? Yeah, I was confused about that as well. I don't even like, know I mean, if Sydney's 16. I'm just guessing 16. She right. could have been anywhere from 14 to 17. Sure. I mean, I didn't get that either. I mean, this is a pretty nice house. I'm guessing James uh, is decently well off. He probably has an extra blanket. You got a couch, bitch? I know. You know? The couches look... Couches look comfortable. And and another thing, just to point out, this doesn't make any, you know, I'm not taking points off for this or anything. This is an observation that I made. I, ta- I talked to you in the theater about it, basically because there's nobody else there. We could talk as much as we wanted to. <laughs> uh, it was but, our party. <laughs> we rented out the theater. I rented out the theater for your experience, Jessica. I hope that you're happy. Happy birthday. That was lovely. I rented out an entire theater for your movie going experience. That was very generous of you. Why is there a random pine tree in... James's home. Oh, right. Yeah. It was like not it's just it sitting like in the middle. It's just Christmas tree. Yeah. It's just sitting in the, it's just sitting in the living room. I don't know the time frame here. I don't know what part of time of the year it was. It didn't no. seem like it was Christmas time. No, there were no other decorations in the movie. I mean, and if it got to the point where maybe it's like January, February, and he just hasn't taken the Christmas tree down yet. There were no ornaments on it. No, it was just no. a, yeah, like a pine tree sitting in the mm. corner of his living room. It's never mentioned. 
Never. No, and it didn't even seem like it was tall enough to be a Christmas tree, or was that just my imagination? Well, it was kind of in between. Like, it was bigger than those small Christmas trees, but smaller than the tall Christmas trees. Right. It's never, it men- just- it's never mentioned. It's never used. Nope. Nope. There's no reason for it to be there. What the <laughs> fuck is going on? Why is this guy growing a tree in his fucking living room? You think it was like a, some prop that somebody dragged in there, and then they didn't need it, and they just forgot about it? It's got to be a clue to the next movie in the dark universe right uh which by the way while we're talking about that this is not the first movie of a dark universe no they decided they're, so. they're getting away from that concept these are all going to be standalone films by a blum oh well, that's good yeah i just because which I, I, mean, I was kind of stoked for the dark universe have they had they done it right no. um and even yeah. if this had been the first movie in it i would have been i still would have been okay with it that's why i said jessica let's find out if there's a you know a scene at the end of the trailers that would maybe Oh, yeah. Teaser and I was already universe. running out of the movie theater. Yeah, for someone... Jesus Christ. <laughs> Before the first name got up, you were already out of the theater. I'm like, Jesus, it takes you five minutes to get out of my car. <laughs> you were out of the theater in 15 seconds. What the fuck? Well, that's because I sat that's in the because, back of the seat. That's because you wanted to get candy. Oh, well, I did buy candy at the end. But... Which is dumb, by the way. I know, but... You spent yeah. three times as much on those candies as we could have got them oh at the gas God, station. Oh, my God, the candy was five, $10, Ron. Yeah, we could have got that same candy for $3 at the gas station. <laughs> and I was idiotic. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, but. but some creepy things do happen here. The blanket is pulled off. Obviously, someone's taking pictures of the two of them sleeping, which is creepy. At one point, she tries to pull the blanket back up on the bed, but someone's obviously standing on it. Uh-huh. At one point, she's making breakfast, and she leaves the breakfast, and we see the the flames on the pan of bacon and eggs goes up. Someone has turned it up, so causing a grease fire. Oh, is that what happened? I was one. I was. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't see the fire go get turned up. No, I thought that she just was left the room for too long because that's some shit that I would do. No, the fire was turned up. That's why okay. the grease fire started. All right. Uh, so Cecilia kind of knows something's up. Uh, no one's really believing anything she says because she's just crying all the time. <laughs> and they're like, Cecilia, she's a fucking crazy bitch. She just cries all the time. Let's let her cry. Uh, but she has, apparently she's an architect. Uh, she has a degree in some sort of master's degree in architecture. Uh, she goes to a job interview where she promptly passes out. <laughs> After she finds out that her portfolio has been removed from her folder that she took with her to the job interview... Also finds out that an email had been sent to her sister telling her that, you know, she hates her and she she just wants her money. Uh, Her sister just wants her money. Obviously, she didn't send the email. No. So at the hospital, she passes out. Cecilia finds out that she is being drugged secretly uh, with a bottle of pills that she took from Adrian's house at the beginning of the film. So she now knows that somehow Adrian has become invisible and is completely fucking with her. And she believes that he's faked his death, is using some sort of optic trick to fuck with her and become invisible. She tells this to his brother Tom. And again, Tom tells her, well, my brother's dead. His ashes are right over there. So let's not get crazy. I really thought he was a sympathetic person to her too well tom the whole 
Tom is a, what she like she says later in the film, it's a spineless version of Adrian. He's slimy and sneaky, but he doesn't have the guts that Adrian has. Because Adrian has beaten him down his entire life, just like what Adrian did to Cecilia. Yeah. Because Adrian's definitely a user and uses people in his life. But has a way of manipulating them to make them feel terrible. So after this incident with her sister, Cecilia is laying on the floor of the room where she doesn't sleep, but stays with with James. And guess what she's doing? Crying. She's crying. <laughs> uh, but this time, Sydney, the daughter of James, comes in to console her. But the invisible man punches Sydney. Right. Uh, so Sydney is like, hey, I got punched and you're the only person in the room, so you must have hit me. Which, you know, that makes sense. Sure. So she flips out. James comes in, obviously takes his daughter's side <laughs> and tells Cecilia, you need to get out of my house. So what happens? James and Sydney leave the house and Cecilia does not. Not only do they leave the house and leave Cecilia <laughs> there after kicking her out, they leave her there by herself. Oh, no, they don't come back. Like, where did they go? <laughs> I have no idea because it wasn't explained. Because at one point we see a clock and it says four o'clock in the morning and they're not there. And Cecilia is still there. Uh, but yep. she does, while she's there by herself, she does freak out. She gets a can of coffee, puts it all over the floor. So if he walks, that she'll see him. But the Invisible Man seems to be smarter than that. But Cecilia does get an idea where she picks up the landline. Because who has a landline these days? Jesus, they all had cell phones. Why would the need of a landline be? Regardless. She picks up the landline phone, calls Adrian's cell phone, and she hears the cell phone ringing in the attic. Which she climbs up to the attic using the brand new ladder that she's purchased for James. Finds the cell phone. Right? Finds the pictures of her in asleep. Finds her portfolio, a knife, all of her kinds of creepy, weird things. Obviously, this is set up for her to find. Yep. Because while she's in the attic, she hears someone climbing up the ladder. Goes over there, obviously. Adrian is supposed to be there. She takes a can of paint, throws it on nothing. But guess <laughs> what? She throws it on something because all of a sudden she can see part of Adrian. Yep. This turns into uh, some sort of fight, which is weird because Adrian gets to the, apparently gets to the sink and washes all the paint off of his suit within minutes, by the way. <laughs> he did. Like, gets paint completely wiped off of his suit in within minutes. Which, later on, when we find out what the, what the suit is, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> Also, you remember you were telling me that how he didn't track it in the house either. Or yeah, there's the no, there was nothing, right? But this uh, this movie has a lot of problems with continuity. Uh, but he does attack her and kind of beat the fuck out of her for a little bit. She may does manage to escape by hitting uh, <laughs> him with a bunch of plates, which is uh, weird because basically she's just fighting herself, and the actress yeah. is just fighting herself. Yeah, remember? Because I was like, that has to be. Like, not easy to be an actress and have to fight someone who's not there. But these days, like I said, maybe they have a guy in a green suit fighting her. Yeah. And they just take him out. Sure. Yeah. 
Uh, she does manage to escape, and she goes all the way to Adrian's mansion and happens to find a room <laughs> that uh, apparently she's never seen before, even though she lived there. She figures out how to push a button, and it creates a suit that makes you invisible. So literally anyone can walk into this room, push this button, and make an invisibility suit. Yep. Um. So she hides this suit in some sort of secret compartment in the back of a closet, which I don't know why she knows this secret compartment, but he doesn't, even though it's his house. Right. And I'm assuming that he had the house built. I mean, Probably if there was some sort of sub subplot where she designed the house, because she's an architect, possibly, but that wasn't ever mentioned, I don't believe. After that, she gets in contact with her sister, Emily. She meets Emily at a some sort of Chinese restaurant, uh, where Emily's kind of being a bitch to the server, honestly. Um, and then suddenly, the this super sharp knife that probably shouldn't be on the table of a person at a restaurant. Yeah, that was weird. I mean, I've never been to a restaurant that gave you a fucking butcher knife. Nope. Especially a especially a Chinese restaurant. That gave you a fucking butcher knife to eat your food with. But apparently they had one there. This knife magically uh, jumps up off the table, cuts Emily's throat open, and then flies into the hand of Cecilia. So to everyone else, it looks like Cecilia cut her own sister's throat and killed her. So this gets Cecilia thrown into a mental hospital, where she probably belongs. (laughs) And also where she finds out that she's pregnant. And she had said she'd been taking birth control because she didn't want to have Adrian's baby because she knew she'd be tied to him the rest of her life if she did. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that Adrian would use to manipulate whatever he could to completely control her the rest of his life. Yeah, he's not a good guy. I don't know. He gave her a nice house. She probably had all the food she wanted. Uh, who cares about stuff if someone's fucking abusing you? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, his brother shows up and says, hey... Uh, you're going to lose all of your money because there was, you know, a rule that said you couldn't get arrested or nothing, and you got arrested. So basically, you can either sign all this over to me, or he tells her, or you can make a phone call and be a happy family with Adrian because he knows all of, he knows Adrian is still alive as well. Yeah, you saw that coming with the brother before. Yeah, I knew I he was in on it. Uh, so Cecilia basically tells him to fuck off, knocks all of his shit off the table. As she's picking it up, she grabs a ballpoint pen out of this dude's briefcase. And it's like a really nice ballpoint pen with a really mm-hmm. sharp, like, end. Uh, so later, in the evening after she's put back in her room, the orderlies leave or whatever, she's hidden this ballpoint pen in the shower. She knows that Adrian is hanging out in the room somewhere. She literally takes the ballpoint pen... Stabs it into her wrists and yanks down, creating a large gash in her wrist like she's committing suicide. Because she knows that Adrian will stop her because he can't have her die because then his baby also dies. Mm-hmm. But this is a huge gash that bleeds a lot. Am I correct? Yeah, I mean, it, it looked pretty crazy. And you never see it again in the rest of the movie. There's not a drop no. of blood. There's not a wound. Nope. There's no indication that her wrist hurts. Mm-mm. And we it's still have a little bit of movie, about a third of the movie to go through. Maybe not a third, but a fourth of the movie to go through, probably. Sure. And she gets into a big fight scene right after this, and there's no blood anywhere. Nope. There's no wound anywhere. It's like it never happened. 
I agree. That was really weird. Yeah, weird. that's a big and, that's a big issue for me. And annoying. But she also takes the pen when Adrian comes out here and stabs his suit several times. Which causes his suit to malfunction and flicker in and out. So now other people are actually seeing him here and there. Yes. A security guard rushes in, gets knocked out with his own taser because Adrian's somewhat invisible. About eight, I would say eight security guards with guns come in two at a time and all get taken out because, again, Adrian's somewhat visible, some not. So he's, I think I said this in the movie theater to you, he's visible when it's convenient for him to be invisible. Mm-hmm. I agree. So he, I did notice that. He blinks out until the cops get there. And then when he needs to be invisible the whole time, he takes both the cops out, right? Yep. And then he'll blink in and out for a while until the next two cops come in, and then he's completely invisible again. Mm-hmm. Until all the cops are taken out, and then he runs out into the rain. Which she follows. She has a gun. She follows, shooting at him, right? Sure. I think they missed an opportunity because it's pouring down rain. I thought this is the whole reason they had the rain, is that we were going to be able to see the figure of a person, of an invisible person in the rain. That didn't happen. Also outside... Uh, again, he's invisible mostly until he needs to not be invisible mm-hmm. for like a couple of seconds. Very, very convenient. Very, very hokey, I believe. So basically, he tells her that he's not going to fuck her up because she has his kid. Instead, he's going to do uh, harm to those that she loves. So she figures out this means Sydney. Um, we should mention, by the way, this is definitely the voice of Adrian that says that. Yes, it is. So she figures out that he means Sydney. So she calls James. Everybody convenes at James's house where Sydney is being attacked by the invisible man. Uh, James gets there first, gets his ass kicked because he can't see who he's fighting. <laughs> like he gets his ass kicked pretty good. Yeah, he does. Um, he, I, was I mean, worried. not killed or anything, but he just no. gets his ass beat pretty bad. Cecilia shows up with a fire extinguisher, sprays it on the dude so she can see what she's shooting at. And then she shoots the person in the invisible man suit uh, several times until he dies, right? Yes. He's definitely can, dead. He's definitely dead. You can see the suit. She takes the mask off. Surprise! The invisible man, it's Adrian's brother Tom and not Adrian. Yeah. So, I mean, am I an idiot? Or, like, how did they make the switch? Or is that something that's well, not... Well, either, either they fucked up by making it Adrian's voice talk to her in the parking lot, and it was Tom mm-hmm. the, the whole time, oh. um, or they just didn't bother to explain that... Um, because after this, we see the cops go to Adrian's house, and they find Adrian literally drywalled into a room and, and handcuffed and tied up like he's been there the whole time. Right. And the story they're trying to play off is, uh, this was Tom the whole time, and Adrian was locked up. So the so only way, the only way this could have happened, the way that, and this doesn't make any sense, but a lot of this movie has continuity issues like this, is if Adrian attacked her in the mental institution, right? Right. Talked to her in the parking lot of the mental institution, right? Went home with his with his suit that was malfunctioning, gave his brother another suit. His brother went then went to James's house while Adrian walled himself in somehow with drywall, which is impossible to do. Right. It doesn't make sense, right? Right. This, a lot of this movie doesn't make sense. 
There's a lot, and I haven't mentioned them all, but there's a lot of time issues with this movie. And there's another one coming up, big one coming up. There's a lot of things that could not happen in the amount of time they happen on the screen. Right. Which is the issue for me. Yeah. Cecilia is not convinced that Tom was the person the whole time fucking with her. She's convinced that Adrian is still in on it and Adrian can still do it. Even though everyone else is like, Tom's dead. Adrian was a victim in this case. And the, the moviegoer could believe that as well. If they didn't notice the voice, you know what I'm saying? Right. So Cecilia is so convinced that Adrian is was in on it and will still fuck with her that she calls him up, sets up a meeting and says, look, I want you to be part of your baby's life. I want, I want to get back with you. So she goes to his house and, and says, look, we're back together. Everything's cool. Let's eat this meal. Uh, but I need you to be honest with me if we're going to have this relationship. And he's like, yeah, I'll be honest with you. That's what I do. And then she goes, I need you to, do, to admit that it was you the whole time fucking with me with an invisible man suit. Which he doesn't admit to, but he does say incriminating things that make the viewer realize it was him the entire time. Like he says, surprise. That was the big thing that the invisible man kept leaving her notes saying surprise and stuff. Yeah. Also, Um, I do think the actor did a really good job of like, because he has like a face that like generally is like a friendly like this, Al- of, this Oliver Jackson Cohen guy. Yeah, like a friendly kind of happy looking Right, he's a he's a good looking guy. He's a good looking you know, guy. He's a tra- right. And but he was able to his face changed. Like it was believable that he was like this kind of like Jekyll and Hyde dude. You know what I mean? Well, you see, Jessica, that's the thing that we like to call acting. <laughs> Sometimes people who are in these movies are good at that kind of thing. Yeah. Like, I, like I think that, Elizabeth Moss is good at acting. I just didn't like her character at all. Right. I know. Because all she, this is the only part of the movie where she's not crying. Is this end part. <laughs> yeah, I agree. When she wears the sexy dress and puts makeup on or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's the only part of the movie she's not crying. Yeah. And I, the only movie I've seen her in prior to this was Us. Where she plays right. the neighbor's wife. Who uh, had the plastic surgery done. Mm-hmm. And I guess, by default, also probably played her double. Cecilia, this whole time, is wearing a wire, which I guess she probably was. James is listening in on it, right? Yeah. She acts upset. She's going to go to the bathroom and and, and clean up. Uh, Adrian goes back to the table to wait for her and start his meal. Like, within a minute, the, the table knife comes up and slices his throat open pretty deep. Mm-hmm. Because he's gushing blood. Yeah, I mean, his throat is cut, for sure. And then he falls down, he's dying. <laughs> Cecilia comes into the room, freaking out, dials 911. Uh, but obviously this is all a plot on her her part, where she's she has gotten into the closet where she hid the other invisible person suit, had gotten into it. Slice his throat and had gotten out of it. But the problem is, this all takes place in about a minute. Yeah, there's no way. There is no way she could have went to that closet, got the suit out, got into the suit, came back in, sliced his throat open, got out of the suit, got back into her other clothes, and then came back out and dialed 911. Yeah, it's ridiculous. But now that uh, Adrian is definitely dead, she f- that's the end of the movie. She feels great. Uh, no one, she says, 
she tells James, oh, he killed himself. It's on the security camera. Here's the issue with that, though. At the beginning of the movie, we find out this guy has cameras literally everywhere in his house. Yep. Not just the one that's kind of on the dining room table. So if they want to look at the security footage of all of the cameras, they're probably going to see some incriminating shit. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think of that, because remember how she has the suit in her bag, and you were like, why would she take the suit with her? And I was like, well, I guess she doesn't want to leave that evidence. But it doesn't matter if there's cameras in every room. Yeah, there's definitely a camera in the room where the closet was at, because we saw at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. So that's So if the camera sees her go into the closet... Yeah. (laughs) You know, and then the closet door opened by itself, and then the closet door shut by itself again, and then she comes back out of the closet. You know, that's some suspicious shit. Especially when we know... (laughs) At this point, the San Francisco police, this takes place in San Francisco, by the way, knows that their invisible suits are possible. Right. I think it'd be a pretty actually easy case to prosecute, to be honest with you, if they had all that video footage. And there's no way this guy doesn't have all the cameras turned on. That's just not who he is. Right. No, I totally agree with you. It doesn't make any sense that she would get away with that, with what they set up in the beginning of the movie with having all the cameras on all the time. Uh, but that is the end of the movie. There is no, there are, there is no after credits, mid credit scene. There's no hint at a dark universe. So this is going to be a standalone one time film. Sure. But the invisible suit is out there somewhere. If they wanted to bring it back and they wanted to change their mind, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So let's go ahead and rate the invisible man. 2020, Jessica. Have you ever seen the original Rizzle Man? I do believe I have a very long time the ago. The Claude Rains when, version? Well, so when I was little, I used to watch, like, in the afternoon, I would watch the horror movies. Oh, yeah, movies that's right. That you came. probably saw, there's six of them, yeah. I think. Yeah, because I watched, like, what would come on in the afternoon would be anything from the 30s to the 60s. So I saw, like, pretty much all the monster movies back then. Claude Rains and Vincent Price played the Invisible Man in the second movie. Yeah. That's a lot of those Vincent Price movies, too. Um, so go ahead and rate this one, uh, you know, 1 through 10. So I actually was thinking about this earlier today, and I think it's a 6.5 for me, because I know there was a lot of problems with it, but I did enjoy it, and I thought there were... I'm not sure about the end. Like, I think that it would have been better if they had just left it that it was the brother like I kind of like the idea of it being the brother and not Adrian like even though Adrian wasn't a nice guy and he had abused her beforehand I kind of like the idea if it could have just been the brother the whole time and then I don't know how you would have done that because they just made you know like you said they made mistakes with how long things there's a lot of continuity errors yeah there is but I kind of don't like the ending of her killing him. I didn't like that as much. Um, but I did enjoy it, if that makes sense. And I thought there were like a couple jump scares and twists and stuff like that. Um, so I would, I would say for me, it was a six and a half. Like I did enjoy it. So I think the reason why probably you didn't like the ending is because it made Cecilia into a criminal. <laughs> And, and honestly, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like vengeance because her character just wasn't strong enough. Right. And She's just I a just, whiny bitch. 
Yeah, and I didn't really think that like it that needed to be added, if that makes sense. Oh, films love to do that shit now. I know they do. They love to make you think it's over when it's not over. The next one, right. the next film's like that too. Yeah. I call it the Lord of the Rings syndrome. <laughs> because when I watched Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, the very first one, when it came out uh, in like 2000 or whatever, sure. there was a great ending point for the movie. And I thought, okay, well, that was a pretty good movie. Little did I know, there was still another hour of the movie to go. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's like two and a half hour movie. Oh, no. So these movies love that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll tell you right. Right now, I did not enjoy the character of Cecilia. Uh, because I do feel like she is a person that in real life you would avoid. Yeah, not likable. And that's not a person that should probably should be a heroine of your horror film. I understand the emotional baggage that comes with. Well, I don't personally understand that because I'm not a female who's been abused. But I understand from a movie point of perspective. Right. Uh, the emotional baggage that comes with being a abused significant other. Sure. But also, at some point, you know, you're making a movie. So you got to pull back on that sometimes. Uh, show us a little more of her being happy. We, we literally saw one scene where she smiles, and that was the scene where she gave the money to the little girl. Not why well, I say well, little girl, but the girl's teenager. Well, and also, like, you ne- you don't care what happens to her. You really don't. All. You really don't. And, and I will admit that, you know, regardless. Like, and she wasn't like... a. Like, sometimes I really like it when I, for example, if I read a book where I hate all the characters because they're just horrible people, uh-huh. I like that. But she wasn't a likable, hateable character, if that makes sense. <laughs> you know she wasn't I mean? a hateable character that you're interested in the rest of her story. Right. Like, you don't care about her. You don't, you know, you're not, like, rooting for her or anything like that. You're just like, ugh. Like, yeah, that's whatever. no, that's that you you hit it right on the head. That's exactly how I felt. Yeah, I didn't care about her at all. <laughs> it's like, um, like professional wrestling when they when, you, when they say when you go out there, uh, get some emotion out of the crowd, one way or the other, get in a reaction. The worst thing can happen is to not get a reaction at all, and that's what happens. You don't have a reaction to her at all. No, you just don't care. And for the things that I look for in a film, I think I pointed this out several times when in our little walkthrough of the film, the kind of stuff that I like in the film, they did horribly. Right. Like, I want shit that makes sense. Yeah, I agree. You are like that. Sure. Now, I thought that the use of an, an optics genius with this the suit that had cameras all over it or whatever the fuck that was. I thought that was pretty clever to, to create a new Invisible Man instead of it being a scientist who created some sort of formula like in the original, some of the original films. Sure. That it wasn't actually him that was invisible. It was actually just a suit that he was wearing. And there were some pretty cool shots in this. Like I thought when they threw the paint on him, that was kind of cool. And there were a couple other shots that I thought were pretty creepy that I liked. Yeah. But way, way too many mistakes. And the only the only character that was really likable was James, honestly. Because Emily was kind of a bitch. Yeah, I agree about James and his daughter. Like, I was going to say, I care about them. Those are the only two, yeah. Uh, But that's not enough to carry the film. It's just not. And and I wouldn't wouldn't watch this again unless, for some reason, I was doing for, you know, somebody asked me to come on their podcast and talk about it. Uh, I also wouldn't wouldn't recommend this to anybody. Like, if somebody said... Oh, really? If somebody said to me, I'm going to go see The Invisible Man, I'd be like, yeah, don't waste your time. You know? 
Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's a three and a half. Oh wow! It's I don't think it's a good film, and it's getting good ratings, uh, reviews. I mean, yeah. So people seem to like it, but we know that the horror crowd is very, very, very easily entertained. <laughs> um, I, I, w- I would prefer the old classic Invisible Man's to this one. Okay. I mean, I, I appreciate what they tried to do. I don't think it worked out. I'm not sold on Lee Winnell as a director. Mm. Uh, I am curious to see what they do with with a different... I'm still curious to see what Bumhouse does with a different Universal Monster. Sure. So maybe I'll go see the next one and we're doing a podcast. And if that one sucks, I'll probably call it quits. Uh-oh. I mean, I thought there were some moments of being uh, clever in here, uh, updating an old horror trope. But there's too much. I mean, I, I think Blumhouse probably has this problem a lot, actually. Yeah. Just, just not paying enough attention to or not caring about continuity or things that make sense in your movie at all. Because honestly, in their defense, more horror fans are like you and they and you know, whatever. Hey, it's a horror film. Yay, I'm Act 6. Um, <laughs> and not like me, who I'm like, give me a good film. I'm not going to accept it just because it's horror. So in their defense, they're making a lot of money. But this for me, it's not my not my piece of cake. Right. Speaking of cake, it's time to move on to 1992's Brown Stoker's Dracula. There really is no transition with cake. There's like cake's not even involved in this movie. I just said cake, so I just needed that to move on. This movie, uh, Bomb Stoker's Dracula, 1992. Do you remember when it came out, Jessica? I do. So I got a little bit. Of, I got a little story about oh. when, when this movie came out. Now, for listeners who were under, you know, 35 years old, whatever, who are under 30. I know we have a lot of listeners under 30 who are as old as you and I. <laughs> They don't have the life experience. Therefore, they're not as wise as us. Yet. Well, he's wise as me. And something went wrong with you somewhere. Something's crossed wrong in your brain or something. Uh, and my, oh, the, diabetes, the diabetes has been rotting out your brain for mm-hmm. years and years and years. So you, there's some stuff missing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're, you've got a rotten I, you brain. You need to remember too. 1992, really, honestly. I do. I was 20 in 1992. 27. No, I was 20. <laughs> Some people who weren't around in 1992 or they're too small to remember this movie's release. It was a big deal. Mm-hmm. It was like the big release that summer. There's a lot of star power in this movie. Yeah, I've seen this before and I actually kind of forgot that there were so many superstars in this for some reason. Which coincides with exactly what I'm going to say. Uh, it was a bi- It was the big movie of the year. I was much younger than you were back then. Like I am, Three and a half like years. I am now. Yeah, right. It was the movie of like it was the big blockbuster release of that yeah. summer. It was a big deal. Right. There was a ton of promotional material leading up to this. There were there was a comic book released just for this movie. Like a series of comic books, like a whole thread, like not 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 just like one novel comic book. Uh, there were sure. tr- there were trading cards. This movie has a ton of like a list celebrities in it, <laughs> and it was going to make a hundred bazillion dollars at the box office in 1992. And no one remembers that it exists. <laughs> that seems odd 
for a movie that was slated to make a hundred bazillion dollars at the box office and was the allegedly supposed to be the movie of the year 1992. Don't you think? Sure. Did you remember this movie existed before I suggested we do this for the podcast? Oh, of course. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. You weren't like last year, like, oh yeah, I should. Well, you're watching Brom Stoker's Dracula. You forgot that it existed. No, I knew it existed, but no, I didn't say, oh, I should go watch it. In the back of your mind, you knew it existed, but it wasn't. It's it's never been mentioned again since like 1992. Yeah, I mean, I like put no, it like put in the vault, uh, and never never to be seen again. Yeah, it's a weird movie like that. Uh, cause it was high big. Like I, here's how I saw the movie. Uh, my stepdad at the time, 1992, I was like, you know, probably 1992. I was probably like nine years old. I so, don't think so. Yeah, I was nine years old. So my no. stepdad at the time, there was a. I'm sure every big city has this. There was a, a top 40 station in Indianapolis. That did a you know a top nine most requested songs of the day, and you would call in and request a song and see if it got to number one or whatever. And then they would play them at like nine o'clock. And the ninth caller, when you, if you set all the other eight movies, you won a prize pack, right? Mm-hmm. So my stepdad at the time worked at the gas station, and he would always do that. And he would he won a couple times, and this time he won, and he won a prize pack that included two tickets to go see the premiere, not the premiere, uh, but Dracula on opening weekend. Okay. Of course, he had no interest in it, uh, but I'm a horror buff. I always have been a horror buff. So I went, I used those tickets and I went and saw Dracula. Now, part of this prize pack was also the Dracula comic book and the trading cards, which I should have kept because they might, you know, probably increased in value a little bit anyway since 1992, uh, especially since no one remembers this movie. And it's probably uh, rare that people have those at this point. How did you, who did you take with you? I have, I don't remember. I have no clue. I don't remember. I was nine. So probably like, you were not nine in nineteen ninety-two. My, my best friend, uh, the Goonies style adventure. You were sixteen. Uh, you know, so who knows who I took? Oh God! If whomever I took is listening, uh, sends the email reszombie seven at gmail dot com, and let me know those great memories we had that night. Uh, but that is the first and only time I've ever seen this movie. Mm. Didn't think that's kind of weird. Here it is 20 years later, and I'm just now revisiting this film because no one re- no one remembers this was a film. I don't know if this is the kind of film you watch again. Like the Friday 13th ones or the Number on Elm Street ones, stuff like that you would rewatch. But would you rewatch this? I mean, is this that kind of film? Well, what horror film that's not awful do you not rewatch? I mean, I have horror films are made to be rewatched. Well, I mean, a lot of people don't like Halloween Part Six, but I've rewatched that like hundreds of times. <laughs> but it's but it's made to be rewatched. No, nope, you yeah. you don't make a horror film to watch once and never watch again. I guess maybe if you have a twist ending, like a Sixth Sense or something. Right. But even then, you rewatch it to find out all the clues. True. Because it changes the movie for you. Yeah. So I don't know of a movie that isn't meant to be rewatched. That just seems kind of weird. I don't think I don't think I don't think that's the case with this one. I think it's just an anomaly in horror films. I mean, because think about this: all the horror podcasts that we that I've listened to, all of our horror podcast brethren, you know, movies like 
the horror movie podcasts, like, you know, the Padded Room podcasts. Sure. Even even those old uh, uh, movies from the old the old website, Land of the Creeps, the Terror Troop. Those, nobody covers this film. <laughs> you see those dudes on Facebook that watch like 5,000 films in a year. This isn't one of them. Yeah. You never hear anything about this film. And and for a film that has uh, Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, Carrie Elwes, um, Gary Oldman, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I do. I don't know. This film is so stylized. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that could be it, I guess. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a Francis Ford Coppola film. Yeah. The hype going into this movie in 1992 was this is going to be way more true to the book than any previous Dracula film has been. And honestly, I think that it holds up to that promise. I've read the book. I've seen a lot of Dracula films. This is the closest to the book that I've ever seen. Because you got to remember that original Universal Monsters Dracula film isn't based on the book. Right. It's based on a stage play that's based on the book. Sure. Some things are lost in translation there, but that became the definitive version of Dracula. Yeah, that's true. As far as a cinematic Dracula goes. Now, this isn't exactly true to the book. Like, not everything that happens in here is exactly like the book. There are some things they've added, for sure. Uh, And some things they've omitted. Uh, But it is the closest translation to Bram Stoker's original... 19th century vampire novel. So it's just odd to me that I mentioned those names. Like everybody knows if you're listening to this podcast, you know, those five names I just mentioned. Yeah, of course. Everybody knows Gary Oldman. Everybody knows Winona Ryder. Everybody knows Anthony Hopkins. Everybody knows Keanu Reeves. Everybody knows Carrie Elwes. And if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know Tom Waits. And actually, Anthony Hopkins was an Academy Award winner by the for was it? I think he won the Academy Award two years before for the um, Silence. Yeah, of this Lanes. might have been his very next film. Yeah, so he would have been big at that, like at that time. Everyone well, would have known who he was. And Keanu Reeves was coming off like four or five movies in a row. Winona mm-hmm. Ryder was really big around this time. I mean, yep, Carrie Elwes wasn't as big as he is now. I don't think, but he was no. known. Uh, Gary Oldman wasn't as big as he is now, but he was definitely pretty big at that point. Yeah. I mean, and Tom Waits is a is a, is a singer slash actor, so everybody knows who he is. And there's several mm-hmm. other supporting actors in this, uh, like, you know, Richard Grant, like uh, Monica Bellucci, that, uh, Sadie Frost that people know. Some people know. I mean, depends on what sure. you watch. Uh, and Francis Ford Coppola, everybody knows that, dude. Yeah. Am I wrong? No. <laughs> so, I mean, as far as far as star power movies go, like this is. I know you're right. It's crazy that there's like four or five huge people in this. I mean, there's a handful of other movies we've done that, like Scream, probably holds up against this one as far as star power goes. Uh, but there's but, not a lot, you know. Yeah, I guess that's true. But was but was everybody that was in Scream. Super famous at the well, Nev Campbell had been in Party of Five. Nev Campbell Cox. was, Courtney Cox was for sure. Yeah. 
Uh, David Arquette was probably what Carrie Elwes was at this point, uh, if not if not more. Wes Craven is as as well known a director as Francis Ford Coppola. Oh, for sure. But what about Skeet Ulrich? I don't feel like I knew him. Yeah, he he'd been in the few things. He was in the craft or whatever. But okay, you know. And then Jamie Kennedy was he? No, that movie that movie made him. But one thing about one thing about Scream is that it made everyone involved with it bigger stars than they were beforehand. Oh. For sure, yeah. Uh, and this movie, I feel like everyone involved with it, it's like their secret, like, black sheep movie. <laughs> <laughs> like, nobody remembers that Renona Ryder was in this movie. Yeah. Like, I would say... Like, when, when, when you're going over Renona Ryder's uh, career, her, her filmography, this isn't a movie that you're mentioning. No, I would say... You know, it's, it's like that... Beetlejuice. Um, right. Heathers. Heathers. Uh, it's probably Stranger Things gets mentioned at this point, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, when Anthony Hopkins dies, this movie isn't getting mentioned in his obituary. No, I agree. It would probably be like Silence of the Lambs and some of those, like, more, not like British, but, you know, like the ones like um, The Remains of the Day, like the one, the more, you know. And there's a couple of reasons for that, I think. Uh, for one, at the time, and again, I, you know, I might as well just go ahead and say it now for this movie, rewatching it for the first time in 20 years. Um, Keanu Reeves is not very good in it. No. For one, I don't think at that point in his career, he was a very good actor, period. I was, no, I've, I've never been a Keanu Reeves fan as an actor. Um, he's yeah. gotten better since yeah. then, for sure. I'm, I'm always been a big Keanu Reeves fan as a person. Right. But I'm, at that point in time, for sure, until... Until at least the 2000s, I was never into him as an actor. Not even when he was in The Matrix. Yeah, that was like a... Well, it was a couple of years. But he was like right after... Like a couple of years after he did Parenthood. Um, and which... he pretty much gets panned by the critics in this film, too. So I was going back and looking at some old reviews. Oh, yeah. Uh, and he made, in interviews later on, he even mentions like... Uh, he didn't have... He had done like four or five movies in a row. He didn't have the energy to put into this movie, he says. And oh. I think that's pretty visible on screen. Yeah, I get that. Um, and I don't think that he and Winona Ryder as a couple made good chemistry. Yeah, I don't think their chemistry is very good in this. And that could be the, his lack of energy. Yeah. So this movie is very, very, and I forgot, I had forgotten this from watching it in 1992. This movie is very stylized. Mm-hmm. I mean, it takes, in, <laughs> it takes place, you know, in late 19th century. Like the Dracula book does. It takes sure. place in London, like much of the Dracula book does. Uh, and and here's what's weird about it. Some of the actors do an English accent. Some of them don't. Yeah. Some of them use the... Because they can't do an English accent. I'm thinking of Winona Ryder and County Reeves in general here. They use the... <laughs> The state, the stage acting voice, like you know how how you were. I'm a proper stage actor, that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. Think of Orlando Bloom in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. And that voice tends to be English sounding, sure, but it's not English. So I feel like if you're going to do this movie and you're going to have these celebrities in the movie. Then make a choice. Either everyone's doing the accent or no one's doing the accent. Yeah. And the funny thing, I mean, obviously, Anthony Hopkins wouldn't even have to try because he's British. <laughs> and I think Gary Oldman, isn't he British, too? Or am I wrong about that? Yeah, he's English. 
Okay. Uh, which is weird because, like, today, as we're the day we're recording this, to give away our recording schedule a little bit, uh, is the day that uh, Idris Elba came out as being positive for coronavirus. Yeah. And I watched his video on Twitter, and I forget that he's English. Yeah, And he has a pretty thick English accent. It's so amazing how they can just do an American accent, and you just completely forget. He's really good at the American accent, too. So that's a problem with the film. Uh, when I say stylized, I mean, there's a lot of, like, cartoony aspects to this. Oh, okay. There's a lot of, like, eyes in the sky, you know, um, <laughs> veering down on the characters and things. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a directorial choice. And who am I to second guess Francis Ford Coppola? But I don't know if it works. I guess it kind <laughs> of does. Right. But I think that might be one of the reasons why this film doesn't stand up. You know what I'm saying? Why this film is pretty much forgotten. Yeah, I could see. You mean like kind of things are just kind of over the top? Listen, I go to horror conventions two, three times a year, right? Yeah. I've seen merchandise at these stands, at these vendor stands. Sure. For everything from, you know, major Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Halloween movies, all the way down to, like, you know, sorority babes at the slime ball bolorama. Oh. <laughs> and everything in between. I've never seen a piece of merchandise for this film. Not one. Hmm. And horror Ooh. fans will buy anything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So this film is a, was a big anomaly coming into this podcast for me and kind of at the last minute, this wasn't the main topic I wanted to do in March, uh, but kind of last minute I thought, you know, we'll go see Invisible Man and we'll do another Universal Horror remake. And I was thinking Wolfman 2010. I knew that was awful and I didn't really want to see it again. I remember Dracula 1992 and I was like, yeah, I haven't haven't seen that movie forever. Does it hold up? You know, for a movie that was such a big deal at the time, I don't remember anything about it. Yeah. Like, literally, the only thing I remember is what the, the Gary Oldman looks like in the film, both as a young guy and an old guy. Yeah. And I remember um, Lucy getting fucked by a wolf. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. Like, for a film that a lot of money was thrown into as far as mar- merchandising goes and marketing. Sure. To only remember those two things, you know, I mean, I know it's been 20 years, but I've not had a. You know, an inkling to revisit it. And honestly, yeah. I don't, all the conversations I've had with people about horror over the years, and I'm most of the people I know, I'm their go to horror person. Right. And I'm sure this is true for most of the people listening. Probably, you know, if you go to work and you're, you're known as the horror person, right? So everybody's going to ask you about the latest horror film or what do you think about this in the horror? No one's ever talked to, the, to me about this film. I can't say that anyone's talked to me about it either. <laughs> I was interested to revisit it, and it wasn't on, you know, it it was on streaming services, but not like Netflix or Hulu. It would be a, I would have, we had to would have to paid what three dollars for it on Amazon Prime or whatever. Yes. Um, I don't own the DVD. I never would have thought to buy the the DVD. You know. Uh, so we found it while we on Crackle. Is that where we found it? We had to look through some commercials or whatever. Yes, I found it on Crackle. You did. You did a very good job. It was free. I was willing to pay the $3 to see it, but uh, free is better. Oh. I'll go through a yeah. few commercials for free. 
Um, it was kind of just like watching an unrated version on TV. Mm-hmm. And Crackle in the past has been very, very intrusive with their commercials to the point oh, where yeah. <laughs> to the point where I was like, I'll just pay the three fucking dollars. Okay. You know where they? Did, did, uh, I feel how like did at you one point. It? I feel like at one point I was watching what something on Crackle and like there was a commercial like literally like every five minutes and I was like, no, I'm done. Oh with this. no, yeah, that's, that's why I texted you and I was like, is this going to be very intrusive with commercials? I'll just buy it on Amazon. But it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. No. It was about the same okay. as watching it on TV. Right. Yeah, I found that there were commercials, but it wasn't excessive or annoying. Right. Yeah, they were fine. Okay. Um, so let's get into the movie. We already went over the, the main celebrities that people would know, right? So yeah, uh, the the prologue before the credits sort of scene is uh, Vlad Dracula in uh, 1462. Before he became this immortal like uh, vampire type thing, uh, he leads his people in a victory against the Turks. But at some point, I think that his wife thought that he died or something. Um, so she jumps off a cliff. <laughs> so this is what I expect you to do, Jessica. If someone reports to you the, even if it's false, of, of my a report of my death, I want you to go oh, to a cliff. Bro. You need to jump off, get in a fancy dress. Oh, so you you're you basically expect for my life to be over if something terrible happens? I think we all think that will, yeah. <laughs> what would you do? I mean, who's going to bring you supplies while you're quarantined? Oh, please. I don't think you would do that because you'd be too afraid to come near me. Hell yeah, I'm not coming near you again for another like at least two weeks. <laughs> you just order Taco Bell every single fucking day. I do not order Taco Bell every day. Yes, you do order Taco Bell every single fucking day. <laughs> not. Uh, anyway, so uh, Vlad Dracula comes back. I don't have to say it that way. I just like to. It's kind of fun. Uh, You're a weirdo. He comes back and he finds his wife is dead. He gets pissed off at his priests renounces God and he like takes a sword and he like stabs it into this stone cross that make that the cross starts bleeding. I don't know how a stone is bleeding, uh, but somehow this, um, so somehow by making blood come out of this, uh, stone cross, uh, he drinks it because he's kind of, kind of crazy. And, uh, somehow this, this makes him a vampire. So that's your vampire origin story. Uh, drink the blood that comes out of a stone cross. So we fast forward like 400 years uh, to the very late 19th century. We see uh, this guy, Rinfeld, who's in a mental asylum eating bugs. <laughs> and he is, uh, you know, waiting for his master to give him instructions. Obviously, this his master is Count Dracula. But since he's in a mental asylum... This uh, business, I don't even know what kind of business it is. Some sort of real estate business. I don't even know. Uh, sends uh, Jonathan Harker, whom we all know, Keanu Reeves, to what? Transylvania to kind of finish the account of Dracula, who's trying to buy a bunch of land in London. He travels to Transylvania via carriage. Uh, this is where you see, like, you know, the the eyes in the sky. Yeah. Like, overseeing... Uh, everything and uh, there's a lot of like uh, red skies and very weird cinematography. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, because sometimes in this movie things are sped up a couple of times, 
And I don't know mm-hmm. if that's supposed to be from a vampire's perspective or just a style choice. I'm leaning towards style choice since everything was kind of weird in this film. Yeah. Um, there's some sort of blue flame that they drive through, which is actually mentioned in the book. Uh, it's not as well explained, I think, in this movie. It's just something weird that Jonathan Harker mentions. Jonathan has left behind in London his fiance, Mina, who's played by uh, Winona Ryder. And let me tell you this about Mina, okay? She has a friend named Lucy, who's a whore. Oh, God. Um, Lucy has three suitors, right? Yes. Uh, she has Jack Seward, who is the doctor at the Insane Asylum, who's taking care of Renfield, right? Mm-hmm. She has um, Arthur Holmwood, who's kind of clumsy, whatever. This is played by Carrie Elwes. But he's an Englishman, uh, who she actually ends up picking as her fiance. And a guy named Quincy Morris, who's an American from Texas. So he's the only one who's allowed not allowed to speak with an English accent. Um, so these three dudes are like all into Lucy and she openly flirts with all of them and talks about how she's so good at the sex stuff and she knows what men like. And this movie has a lot of, I will mention, I will give it this credit for this. It has a lot of release of pent up sexual repression from females, which I think was probably pretty common at the time, Mm -hmm. especially in, uh, Europe. Sure. I think that's, Covered pretty well here with Lucy and Mina, who's a secret whore. I say that because she literally makes out with every single person in this movie. <laughs> and when I say makes out, I mean, I don't mean like kisses. I mean, like makes out. Yeah. Like she does this for some reason. We get like a five minute long make out session between her and Keanu Reeves before he leaves <laughs> for London. And since she's technically a virgin. In the movie, uh, at least for most of the movie, uh, he left with the blue balls. But wait, you think that kissing a lot of people makes you a whore? <laughs> in the 18th, 19th century, yeah. Oh, I see what you're saying. Gotcha. Yeah, Mina Harker's a whore. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, but we should also mention that the wife of Vlad Dracul was played also by Winona Ryder. So obviously there's some sort of a reincarnation storyline they're going with here because this is the same person, right. basically. Uh, which, not, that's not the case in the book, but they've added that to this story here. Yeah. To make it more of a love story. <laughs> little does he know, everybody knows that she's a whore. <laughs> um, so we get some scenes between Jonathan Harker and uh, Dracula. Uh, Dracula as a very old man. Right with this, if you know anything about this movie, you probably know this image of Dracula with the giant white hair that looks like a heart. Yes, I know. Situation. I always thought that was crazy before I saw the movie. I was like, "That's so crazy." Well, I mean, it's the it's more memorable than the rest of the movie, apparently, because that's what people remember. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. <laughs> um, he goes through all of the you know all of the things that you have to go through as Dracula. He doesn't drink wine. Uh, he walks in on Jonathan Harker as he's shaving and licks his blood off of the razor and does, you know, crazy Dracula shit. Yeah. But later that evening, as Harker 
uh, is lured, in, lured into a room with a bed by a uh, very lovely-looking young lady. He, he lays in the bed, and uh, two other ladies just come up, like, rise up in the bed, which is kind of weird. Uh, we get a lot of boobs in this movie. All these chicks' boobs mm-hmm. are hanging out. And, they're, and let me tell you this, all the boobs we see in this movie are fantastic. Yeah. They're all nicely shaped, nicely sized boobs. They're the boob expert. The well, I'm not an expert. I you know, but you know, I know I know what a boob looks like. <laughs> so these three young ladies uh basically attack Jonathan with when they're vampires, obviously because they got fangs. So they're kind of biting him, but they're also kind of uh teasing him. Mm-hmm. At one point, one of them looks like they're gonna give him a blowjob. But with those kind of things, I don't know if that's something that he's into. But here's the thing. This movie, <laughs> everything that happens in this movie is is completely over-sexualized. Yeah, I agree. There is there is so much uh, uh, moaning and, and yeah. I'm not even talking about sex scenes. Like, just anything that happens, everybody's like, oh, oh. Yeah, I know. You know I was thinking about Everything like, is like that. Yeah, like, even Lucy, when they were, like, trying to treat her or whatever, she was always just laying on the bed moving. Having orgasms. Yes, I thought that. I was like, it doesn't sound like she's sick. It sounds like she's, you know, constantly coming. (laughs) What is going on? With her, with Jonathan here, with um, her throughout the whole movie, with Mina, most of the movie, with Dracula, half of the movie, Anthony Hopkins at one point, there is too many orgasms happening here. You're like, no, I don't think that people sound like that when they don't feel good or they're like, you know, sick or whatever. Well, I just think that 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 is a theme of the movie. Obviously, Francis Ford Coppola is beating us over the head with it. Uh, But, you know, (laughs) in this ASMR world, uh, it it gets I'm just kind of like, Jesus Christ, what's going on here? Why is everybody (laughs) orgasming all the time? Is this what happened in the 1900s? (laughs) Or 19th century, I mean, everyone just walked around orgasming all the time. I mean, they were kind of rep- repressed sexually back then. <laughs> uh, so Dracula gets pissed at these three ladies. Like, Don't eat him. He's for me. I bought you this baby. <laughs> eat this baby. Uh, which is fun, you know. And we find out that uh, Dracula has uh, purchased a residence in a place called Carfax Abbey. I don't know how the abbeys work over in London. I know that's a thing. So I don't know how that works, but apparently he's purchased this uh, property in Carfax Abbey. He's having his boxes full of Transylvanian soil shipped all over these places so that he can go and uh, you know, find his love. It's all about love. <laughs> uh, which drives Renfield insane because Renfield's, you know, tied into him. He kind of knows what's going sure. on. So once he goes to London, all of the people in... The insane asylum kind of go crazy. Well, when it gets there, this thunderstorm, this big thunderstorm happens as Lucy and Mina are in the garden and we get, you know, juxtaposed images of the people going insane in the mental asylum. They're getting sprayed down with the hose and then it's (laughs) it's raining out, uh, pouring down rain. And for some reason, Mina and Lucy are making out in the middle of the this like hay, this like uh, hedge maze. I told you Mina makes out with everyone in this film, including Lucy. And that's not something that was even hinted at or even played up afterwards. Like it just happened because it was raining, I guess. Yeah. Uh, So Dracula 
you know, during the storm in the middle of the night becomes this wolfman like creature. I mean, in, in the book, he does become a wolf. You know what I'm saying? And sure. he does become a bat and he does become mist. In this movie, he can do those things and he can also like become half of that. We see yeah. him as a half bat person. We see him as a wolfman creature. So basically, he's a werewolf at this point, right? Yeah. Uh, and he uses his powers to draw Lucy out. Uh, and then he fucks her in the middle of the rain, in the middle of this hedge maze. He fucks her, and then uh, he controls her mind. So it's not unlike a dude who has a really big dick. When he bangs a chick, he kind of has control of her at that point. Oh. She's always wanting the D, especially Lucy, because she's a whore. <laughs> But does it have to be big? I mean, shouldn't he be knowing what to do with let's it? Let's say somebody really good at sex. Let's put it that way. Yeah. You know those memes where the lady's like, ugh, he's a jerk, but man, he's good with the D. <laughs> uh, but this kind of weird, too, because this maybe this is a 19th century thing, but at this point, Lucy has chosen uh, Arthur as her to-be husband, right? Her fiancé. Sure. But Dr. Seward and Quincy are still hanging out. And they seem cool with the fact that Arthur is the one who's going to get the pussy. They're like, yeah, that's cool, man. But we're still going to be here. We're your friends. Like, we're going to hang out. <laughs> Which, you know, to me, like, okay, I'm competing with their... Well, first of all, my personal opinion, I don't compete. <laughs> if, a girl wanted, if a girl wanted to be with me, I'd be like, okay, cool. If not, she wants to compete. I'm like, okay, well, then these guys can have you. I'm out. Well, that's funny that you're like that, because I'm actually like that, too. Like, I, I refuse to compete yeah. with other women. But anyway, uh, 19th century, completely different story. These three guys were competing, and now one of them has won, but the other two are still sticking around and supporting them, which seems a little weird to me, because if it was me, I'd just be like, you know, hey, I'm out, I lost, I'm, I'm gone. Well, you know, maybe they... I'll uh, go find somebody else. But, you know, it's different time period, uh, different situations. Well, perhaps they're just waiting around in case it doesn't work out. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I'm, maybe she needs a side piece or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but Lucy's uh, health is deteriorating quite a bit at this point because of her relationship yeah. with Dracula, who visits her several more times and bangs her in, yeah. in different forms. And every time she uh, you know, gets seems to get a little bit weaker. Sure, because he's taking more blood, obviously. Uh, so Dr. Seward calls upon Abraham von Helsing, played by Anthony Hopkins, whom he's a guy who knows how to take care of these weird type of things. And he immediately comes to the conclusion that she's the victim of a vampire. Around around this time, Dracula's walking the streets of London, uh, seemingly in the daytime, uh, which I can't remember. It's been a long time since I read the book, but I don't think the... The son killing a vampire was much of a thing back then in that book. Yeah. In that book, I don't think that. I think that's late. That was added later to the mythology. Okay. But they have to be. But he's using some sort of magic anyway because he's a, he's a young, kind of good-looking guy in this right in- incarnation. Yeah. And he runs into Mina on the street, and Mina, being the whore that she is, <laughs> uh, immediately starts dating this guy, even though her fiance, she's you know, she's engaged. But he's in another country, so I can fuck this guy, right? <laughs> I mean, that's basically what happens. She doesn't fuck. I don't think she fucks him, but she right. definitely she definitely goes on dates with him. Uh, at one point, during some another one of these crazy storm situations, uh, a wolf escapes from like a zoo or something. 
Uh-huh. And tracks them down at some some weird like um, cinema type situation. Where there's a lot of different kinds of entertainment going on. There was some strippers. Uh, there uh-huh. was a movie. There was some sort of uh, puppet show. But the wolf attacks them there. But Dracula quiets the wolf because you know he's Dracula, which makes her, you know, want to suck his dick and stuff. I guess because she's really into this guy. Yeah. But then we in a kind of. Uh, you know, hey, we almost forgot about uh, Jonathan Harker. He's over here getting his dick sucked by these three vampire brides every night. Uh, he does manage to escape and get to a convent where he gets word to Mina to meet him there. So they can be married. She does meet him there, but she sends a note to uh, this guy who's going as uh, what, Prince Prince Drac. Is that what it was? Yeah. Uh, which he reads over dinner, which is kind of weird because, you know, he's not going to eat the dinner. <laughs> but uh, and then he starts crying. Like, everything's so over-the-top dramatic in this film. Like, yeah, I was thinking that, too. Yeah. Everyone way overacts to uh-huh. the to the point where it's obviously not the fact that they're overacting as actors. It's obvious that this is a directorial choice. He wants them to overact. Right, yeah. Which, honestly kind of fits with the style of the film the way the film sure. has been presented right the overacting okay. kind of makes sense because yeah. you're not getting a gritty version of a vampire flick of dracula you're getting an over-the-top stylized uh you know 19th century version of of the book that's going to be you know, completely out there. We're going to hunger. Mm-hmm. I mean, Francis Ford Coppola at this point has decided he's going 100% in this direction. And I guess if you're going to do it, go all the way, baby. Yeah. Because he does. <laughs> Mina does make it to this convent where she does marry Jonathan. And I guess <laughs> to make it as real as possible in the movie, Francis Ford Coppola got an actual like Orthodox priest to, to perform Okay. This ceremony in the movie oh. to, to the point where Winona Ryder was worried that she was actually married to Keanu Reeves. Oh, no. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, I think there's got to be a little more legal stuff in there, girl. But. Um, yeah. Uh, so Dracula is butthurt over this, right? So he decides to take this out on Lucy and bas- and finishes the job, turns her into a vampire, kills her dead, turns her into a vampire. Everyone's all sad because she's dead, right? But then Van Helsing knows, hey, she's not dead. She's going to come back to life. We got to go down to this crypt and kill her. With, yep. the, with the three dudes who were her <laughs> suitors, including one of them who was her fiance. Uh, so these three guys, I like these three guys. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think they made me my, my favorite characters in the film. I, w- I wouldn't mind seeing like the side adventures of these three dudes going around. <laughs> Uh, the world and fucking killing supernatural creatures, right? Sure. And that's what it should be called. Three dudes. And then you can subtitle. Three dudes kill Dracula. Three dudes kill the Wolfman. You know, three dudes kill the Invisible Man. And they have distinct personalities as well. Uh, sometimes in these movies, those kind of characters get lost and become one-dimensional. So this is a little uh, better. Sure, I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, so these guys at first think Van Helsing's crazy, but then he they open the tomb. Lucy's not there. To the surprise of none of us, obviously, we, we know what's <laughs> going to happen. We've seen this play out 800 times. Uh, 
So Lucy does come back, but she has a small toddler with her that she's obviously going to eat. They get the toddler away from her. They fight her back into into her casket where they uh, drive a stake into her heart and chop her head off. Yep. So Lucy isn't a vampire for very long. She's not. Unless there was some time in between those two scenes that I'm not aware of. About one night, she was a vampire. <laughs> um, so now, with Jonathan and Mina returning uh, to London, Van Helsing leads everybody to try to destroy Dracula. Renfield actually uh, gives Mina a warning to stay away from Dracula, which causes him to get killed by Dracula. Because Dracula yeah. doesn't like that shit. No. Uh, so these guys are at this place that Dracula's rent has bought in Carfax Abbey. They're destroying these uh, boxes of soil that he has brought with him to try to contain him. With this big fire, set the basically they set his house on fire. While they're doing that, like he sneaks out as mist because he can do that because he's Dracula, right? And he hooks up with Mina, and Mina, who's a whore. <laughs> Uh, basically, basically, what's really happening here, besides not me trying to be funny, but what's happening here is he is... Making her a vampire. No, he's reuniting with the reincarnated oh. version of his lost love. Right. And yeah. Mina, whom is the reincarnation of his you know, long-lost wife, uh, seems to have some memories of this dude, right? So she makes out with him, because that's all she knows how to do, is make out with people. <laughs> and by the way, as I before I forget about this, because I wanted to mention it uh, in the scene where her and Jonathan are married, which is juxtaposed with scenes of Dracula fucking Lucy again. <laughs> they do that. You can kiss the bride thing. Yeah. And these guys make out for like five more minutes. I'm like, that's not how you kiss the bride. Yeah, I know. I was thinking that, too. I'm like. Nobody does that. Nobody does. That. I've been married. Trust me, it's 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 it's, it's a quick like one off kiss. You don't want to make yeah, out. Gonna, you don't make right. out in front of your friends and family. That's gross. Well, it's gross, and like you know, like they're waiting for this to be over. So I I mean, I realize they didn't have any of their friends and family there. They were in a right. different country or whatever. But there were people watching. And yeah, I, exactly. And, and I think they were nuns watching actually. Yeah, it is. It is really gross, and like you said, it's quick. And then you're you want to get to the reception so you can eat and drink. So Mina, just I don't even know. Maybe she doesn't even remember him, but she's like, whatever. This is a dude, and I mean, I haven't made out with him by in like five minutes. So she makes <laughs> out with him, and then he cuts his fucking chest open, and she starts making out with that. She starts making out with a wound. Yeah, this movie um, was weird. Well, I mean, she he's making her into a vampire. Yeah, and that's how he's doing it, but. It's weird because Van Helsing and the boys, right, all run in on this <laughs> another uh, moaning like they they're having the best sex of their life again. <laughs> yeah, but it, but they come into this and they can they can't see Dracula, but they can see Mina. Yeah, and this looks really fucking stupid. Yeah, did that scene just look dumb? Yeah, when poor Winona Ryder had to sit there and make out with the invisible chest of a man. Yeah, I and know. The, and this looked completely dumb doing it. That was weird. Uh, but Dracula attacks them as uh, a uh, half-bat person. 
uh, this special effect looked really bad. It just did not hold up. But I'm not taking points off for it or anything because it was 1992. Sure. You did the best you could. And I, from what I understand from reading about this film, uh, Francis Ford Coppola didn't want to use any sort of special effects. He wanted everything to be practical effects. And it wasn't the worst thing I've ever seen in the movie no. by a lot. But it was, by today's standards, not very good. Did you feel like this was too long also? Yes. This is also okay. another two-hour movie. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, what the hell is going on? But if one of these two movies are going to be two hours, I prefer it to be this one. Because uh-huh. The Invisible Man had no business being two hours. This was a huge <laughs> release. Right. And a big event movie. You know how sure. you have event movies. So this yeah. one's more justified in being two hours. Though I did think it was long. Okay. Uh, so Dracula manages to escape from these guys, even though they do wound him with some gunshots. By turning into a bunch of rats, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah. He starts heading for, uh, uh, he gets it into his last box. He has one more box left with his dirt in it. So he has to go back to Transylvania at this point. But the people who are hunting him are, all, are trying to get there before he does. Uh, and But this whole time, he's uh, Dracula's reading Mina's mind, and he's avoiding them. Yeah. I don't know if that's clear in the movie what's actually happening, but that's what's happening. Uh, and, and at some point they split up and somehow I don't even know what I don't even know how this happened. Maybe I wasn't paying attention for like two minutes, but somehow Van Helsing and Mina end up at one place with near the castle with the three vampire brides. Yeah. And the other three are still chasing uh, Dracula. <laughs> so Mina being by herself with the man, does what she does best and fucking makes out of him. <laughs> You seeing where I'm getting the mean as a whore thing? Yes, I mean, I get it. I guess I was just more or less thinking that I was thinking of it in terms of today. Like if you were kissing a lot of guys, you wouldn't be a whore. That's what all you were doing. But back then, I guess it would kind of be considered that way. Well, considering every kiss in this movie is pretty much a metaphor for sex. Right. The way they're reacting to it. Sure, that's true. I, I get where you're coming from. Van Helsing does manage to resist her only after he's really attacked by the three vampire brides, um, which he then disposes of by going into their cave while they sleep and cutting off all their heads. Why are these chicks leaving in this cave? Why are they not in Dracula's (laughs) castle at this point? This makes no sense. Uh, I guess he was just, they're just disposable to him. I don't know. Yeah, but they've been in the castle the whole time. Now all of a sudden they're in a cave by yeah, I... by Van Helsing. Um, anyway, Astraculus carriage is arriving. And they're fighting the uh, they're running out of time because the sun is setting. So I guess maybe the the sun the sun is is a difference maker here. But he was walking around the daytime under his other yeah I disguise. know I... Um, maybe that's just because if he's not in that particular disguise, then maybe mm-hmm. he can't walk around in the daytime or something. Oh yeah. Uh, but the the three dudes and uh, Harker. They get into fights with the gypsies that are uh, the protectors <laughs> of Dracula. And, you know, they randomly pretty much defeat them on the way there. But when, once they get to the castle, there's a bigger battle. One of them, uh, the, 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 the Texan, manages to uh, stab Dracula in the heart with a bowie knife. Yeah. But he, in turn, gets stabbed in the back uh, with like a spear or something. Uh, but Jonathan Harker also slices Dracula's neck open at this time. But Mina's completely turned on the rest of the party at this point, and grabs a gun, and is basically like, hey, get the fuck back. This is my man. <laughs> so she manages to get Dracula inside the castle 
the Texan uh, dies of his wounds at that point. She gets him, uh, Dracula, back to the statue, basically, that one that caused him to be a vampire in the first place. Yeah. And he's dying, but Mina is a whore. She can't help herself, so she makes out with him, even though he's like half nasty wolf bleeding out of his face thing. Somehow, this true love, act of true love, makes the cross complete again. Yeah. Uh, So Dracula turns back into how he was back in the 15th century and asks Nina to kill him to finish the job, basically. So she... Keep saying, my love, my love. She says this 800 times in the movie, my love. <laughs> and thrust the knife further into his chest, which I believe lifts his curse, right? Uh, and then yes. just to be safe. Just to be she safe, she chops his head decaps- too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the two lovebirds are reunited in heaven at last, or wherever they're going to go. That's <laughs> the end of the movie. Mina, uh, in her current form, uh, and, and to Winona Ryder's credit, for all the overacting that was done in this film, uh, you can definitely see a difference between Mina and Mina possessed by the reincarnated Elizabetha, which yeah. was the name of his wife. His wife. Or his, yeah. Uh, and, you know, no one's never, no one has ever accused Winona Ryder of being a bad actress. Oh, yeah, no. So she does a good job in that respect. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the the acting, it's very, again, I hate to overuse this word, but it's very stylized. It's very, it, it's a lot of overacting. It's a lot of stage acting on the, in a film. Sure. Uh, and that obviously was a stylized, that was obviously a directorial choice. Yep. I can't I see everyone in this film doing the same thing without being told to, you know what I'm saying? Right, sure. And it's, I mean, given that I've seen you know, all of them in other movies, and that's, you know, not their personal style or anything, obviously. Right, right. If it was like, like I mentioned before, if it was like Orlando Bloom or something, I'd be like, wait, well, yeah, that's what he does. <laughs> he overacts and everything, yeah. you know, or if it was William Shatner or something, you know. Yeah, Anthony Hopkins definitely doesn't do that. Like, he's actually a good act- actor who, you know, I think he's like a, kind of like a character actor where he can take on well Keanu, you know Keanu Reeves maybe I could see that but not with like Minoan writers not like that either so no but Gary Oldman definitely not like that nope uh, so anyway that's your Dracula updated 1992 version yep. I mean since then we've had Dracula 2000 right we've had Dracula Reborn or Dracula yeah. Un- uh, Dracula Untold yeah, was there so one that... So even, um, so even since then, we've had three or four or five Dracula films. Yeah, there was one that was done by the Italian... I, I feel like there's one... Was it was it Dracula 2000 that was done by the uh, Italian No, Dracula guy? 2000 was Wes Craven. Okay. Uh, well, Wes Craven presents Dracula 2000. I think... Right. I, I don't know what you're thinking about, but mm. that one was all. I can't think of it. Oh, I, I didn't even see that one. Uh, well, spoiler alert, it's Dracula's actually Judas Iscariot. Anyway. <laughs> uh, the only movie I've ever seen on a Christmas day. <laughs> and I fell asleep. Anyway. Oh, let's go ahead and rate Dracula 1992, Bram Stoker's Dracula, 
Uh, and I'm told that the reason Brom Stroker is in the title of the movie wasn't to like be like, <laughs> we're going to be more true to the book uh, as much as Francis Ford Coppola disliked the use name of authors in his titles of his movies. Like originally the Godfather was called Mario Puzo's the Godfather. Oh, okay. So I'm going first, right? Well, yeah, that's how it works, kid. Okay. I'll kill um, you. I'll kill you. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> with, um, with the coronavirus? Yes, Ron, with the fucking coronavirus. <laughs> like I fucking kissed you for five hours yesterday just so I could give it to you. I told you not to. I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. You're irresistible. I know. That's how I know. I'm like <laughs> Dracula. It's a curse to all of us. <laughs> um, I, I didn't love this. And I like I said, it was way too long and it was just kind of I don't know, goofy's the wrong word, but like you said, it was kind of cartoonish and just over the top and I don't know. I thought it I, I gave it a, I would give it a four. I wouldn't watch it again either. Um I don't know when I would watch it again, but I'm not against watching it again. Okay. If you can like, you know, put yourself in that frame of mind where you're into some over the top fantastical version of Dracula that maybe is how people saw it when they read the book in the 19th, 19th century. Yeah. Um, I think that it's fine for that. I don't think it's, I don't think it's memorable. I just don't, there's no, you know, nothing about it really. The, the overacting maybe is memorable, but, uh, even after a second viewing, I'm like, yeah, I'm, you know, in 10 more years, I'm still not gonna remember anything about this movie. I would rather watch this again than the invisible man. And I think I I think I would still prefer the 1931 Dracula, even though it's not as book accurate as this one. Uh, uh with Bella. Yeah, with Bella. As yeah, far as other Dracula that. films go, like I haven't seen those other ones. Have you? You said that you saw the one and yeah, you didn't I've like seen, it. I've seen a bunch of them, a bunch of Dracula films. This is fine compared to the rest of them. Sure. Uh, it, it, and I would say it's an event type of movie, like. Right. If you're going to do it, go all out. Make a night of it, you know? Well, what uh, about the Peter Cushing Dracula? Would, would yeah, I was trying to think of that, that? one. I, we, we watched a couple of those for yeah, the podcast before with um, Christopher Lee. Would you prefer that to... I don't know. They're ish? probably about the same to me. Okay. They're different. It, dep- mm-hmm. it would depend on what mood I'm in. Right. Like, if I don't want to sit down and just watch a horror film, I probably would prefer that Hammer film. Hmm. But if I mm-hmm. want to, you know, just. Because that's way more horror like than this one. Right. This isn't yeah. as horrific, but it's much more fantastical. Yes. If I'm in a, a if word. I'm in a mood for that, mm-hmm. then I would put this in. Um, so I'm going to give this like a five. Okay. I'd rather watch this than, the, like I said, I'd rather watch this than The Invisible Man. Um, other outside no. of that, maybe that Hammer film and that Dracula, the 1931 Dracula, like. This is the next best rendition to me. I mean, but See? I gotta be, but I gotta be in a mood for this style and this kind of overacting. Yeah, I don't, I, totally I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't think it kills the film because that's what he's going for, and right. he goes all the way with it. Right. And this does have a lot of issues. Like I do have an issue with some of the actors can talk in the English accent, and some of them can't. I do have an issue with Keanu Reeves' performance is not very good. It's very lazy and very non-energetic. Flat. Very flat, yeah. 
Um, he even admits that himself and gives a reason as to why. But apparently, uh, the only reason he was really cast, from what I understand, is Francis Ford Coppola wanted uh, a heartthrob. Oh. Uh, that was super popular at the time, so he went with Keanu Reeves, and Keanu Reeves, you know, accepted the deal. I mean, I guess I think Johnny Depp was up for the role at one point. I wonder if he considered Christian Slater because Christian Slater wasn't like I mean, he was kind of a, a yeah. I mean, he was as big back then as well. Yeah, it's kind of too soft of a role for Christian Slater. I think though, I don't know if he could pull it off, but maybe he could. I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, I think Carrie Elwes would have done fine in that role. Mm-hmm. This Honestly. was after Princess Bride, right? Yes, Princess Bride was in the 80s. Okay. I thought so. So, yeah, I'm giving it a five. It's okay. Like, I would, if someone wanted to watch it, I'd be like, okay, yeah, I mean, just be prepared for <laughs> a different movie-going experience than, you know, it's not your traditional horror film. But sure. there's But there's room in the Dracula mythology, there's room in the horror um, genre for this kind of film. Right. I'm happy to have watched it again. And okay, uh, but you it's know, so funny because I can never read you with movies. Like I really didn't think that you disliked um, the Invisible Man as much as you did. Yeah, I don't know what what the, what the hint would have been. Me complaining about the entire time we we're in the movie theater. I don't know because me pointing out to you all of the inconsistencies and how it was horrible didn't didn't really tip you off. I know. No, you didn't tell me it was horrible. There were a couple times where you made a comment that seemed positive to me. I don't know. Well, there was a couple of good scenes. Not every movie is terrible all the way through. And, I mean... I don't think it's a terrible film. I just don't think it's a good film. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you were more angry at It Part (laughs) 2. I I was more angry at that movie than... Okay. (laughs) Given the choice, I would... I'd probably watch It Part 2 again just because I want to be angry at it and also because, you know, that's my favorite story oh. of Stephen King's. Yeah. Um, so you would choose to go back and rewatch that over over The Invisible Man? Yeah. Okay. But I would know I was going to... But, but as far as movies go, I think The Invisible Man was a better movie than It Chapter 2. But that's a different uh, discussion for a different podcast. Right now, we got to end this podcast. Mm-hmm. Not your quarantine However, you need to stay in your house. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll tell you when it's okay to come out. Until then, you just keep getting Taco Bell every day. I do not have Taco Bell every day. I had it today. You've had it the last, like, five times I've talked to you, which is the last five days in a row. I don't know. I'll have to look at my group up uh-huh. <laughs> I'll probably be disturbed by the And results. you'll get Taco Bell tomorrow. No. Now I'm kind of getting on the verge of being not wanting to order it anymore. Because you've eaten it so much. Yeah, because I will do that. I've admitted that. I will eat a food until I can't eat it anymore. Uh, so for those of you, if you listen to this podcast, obviously, maybe you're new to the podcast. Maybe you've been quarantined and you've been looking for a new podcast. This popped up in your feed somehow. You saw this maybe recommended on Twitter by another podcast or another podcast listener or something. If you did, welcome. If this is your first show, I'm sorry. Oh, God. Uh <laughs> But if you don't know this, you can always subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't, because that really helps out. The reviews help out, help other people find the podcast. Other than that, we're also available like on Such a Radio, on Google Play, on uh, iHeartRadio, pretty much anywhere you can find podcasts. You can tweet us at ResZombie7 on Twitter. Email us, ResZombie7 at gmail.com. 
if you are a new listener, we do have uh, like 330 other episodes that you can listen to while you're quarantined. It'll be a great time. We'll have you have fun with us all on zombie7.com. That's where our archives live. Uh, if you're interested in anything else, pop culture, maybe horror related, maybe you want to learn about the Salem Witch Trials. I have another podcast, the Salem 692 podcast. All that can be found on IHateStuff.net. And with that being said, for Jessica uh, and her cat, who was loudly licking himself, and I'm probably, I probably <laughs> edited that out so you guys didn't hear that, hopefully. It was disgusting. It was disgusting. <laughs> we will see you guys uh, next month for the next episode of the podcast. Just a bad dream. Good night, zombies. Bye. Could it all be a bad dream or a nightmare? Is it my imagination or have we lost our minds? It's surreal. It's just not believable. A grand absurdity. Is there a drag race on the street over there by you? What's going on? Oh, no. It's a busy street. <laughs> what do you want me to do about it? It shouldn't be. Everyone should be quarantined into their homes. What are you trying to tell these motherfuckers that? <laughs> I'm so sorry, Ron. What was that? <laughs> there was a dying man in the back. What is that? <laughs> no, what is that? You know what that is? That's the cat snoring. <laughs> wake that fucking cat up. Okay, that's a dying man. You need to wake that motherfucker up. Alright, I'll try to speed around here. Yeah, get him out of there. What's going on there? Alright, calm down. He's not used to having to listen to your rules. This is his house. Well, fuck. It's like somebody's (laughs) dying in your house every night. Is that what it sounds like? I just woke him up. Alright, get get your ass up, boy. Come on, bud. You gotta go. Yeah, go sleep in the living room on the little thing that I made you. He does sleep on that a lot. Come on, bud. Come on. I know. I'm so sorry, but you gotta go. You gotta go. You're too loud, dude. You gotta lose some weight. Come on, man. <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> I was trying to put it on mute and let you talk so he would be done. He pooped or peed, and now he's digging up his litter oh. box. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Why do you have the loudest cat in the history of the universe? <laughs> But when she unmasks, Elizabeth comes. Elizabeth, that's her name. Do you think that we could take like a two minute break so I could take a Benadryl, please? By Benadryl, you mean to poop? Uh, so she, what do you, what's going on? <laughs>